Thanks for tuning in to Why Theory. On this episode, Todd gives me the floor to discuss my dissertation research on seriality. The conversation focuses on the effects of the serial form, the trouble with endings, and the unexplored resonances that the serial form has with psychoanalytic theory. A lot of these ideas are in development, uh, so listen to me move from being totally articulate and professional to saying like as though it was machine gun fire while I try to bridge one thought to the next. So, again, thanks for listening. Hope you enjoy the conversation. All right. Hello. Thank you. And welcome for joining us on another episode of Why Theory. On this episode, we, Todd and I, are going to uh, talk about what is going to become uh, my first book. I feel too, like I feel too bad. I'm still I, I have to say that it's also my dissertation. I feel too guilty. I'm sorry. That's hi, Ryan. Hi, Todd. Yeah, that's an <laughs> awful way of saying what, how you say, say hi as well. Um, <laughs> so anyway, what I'm uh, working on uh, that you have generously decided uh, we should be this um, topic of this week's podcast uh, is seriality. And my take on it, which is to uh, find in it these uh, specifically psychoanalytic resonances that... Um, I've been un—I don't even want to say under-commented on. I think like is uncommented the non-commented on non-commented. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so anyway, well, uh, I think what's yeah, interesting yeah, about your talk, project this is going to be a lot of me talking. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I think what's interesting about your project is that it both shows how seriality informs some of the basic ideas of psychoanalysis, and vice versa shows how some of the basic ideas of psychoanalysis can help us to make sense of of seriality in a way that interestingly no one has really done. And I mean, part of that I think is probably because people that are narrative theorists aren't sort of psychoanalytically inclined usually. Mm -hmm. But, and, and, but the other thing is, is there's no explanation for it. Like why haven't psychoanalytic theorists right. interested themselves in narrative and seriality? Right? Yeah. My, yeah. Not to, it's, it's so interesting not, not to get into like a specific case before we get into the larger thing. But I think that the, the issue there is this like, well, I mean, this is also part of my project. I'm not sure how much it'd be uh, in the final thing, but I do think that there is this uh, split between uh, clinicians and theorists where it comes to narrative, where it seems that like, when we're talking about narrative, it's the uh, the analysis narrative is obviously very important to clinical practice. And then I think that that idea is just it's so suffused with specific and with with analysis, like literal analysis mm -hmm. that theorists, I don't know, don't move to that uh, quite so easily. That's at least that's my like provision. No, I think that's a good it. idea. I think that's probably right. I feel like uh, narrative seems like. I, I mean, I think people, theorists, generally oppose narrative and theory. You know? mm, so I think yeah. that's part of it too, right? Yeah, like, yeah. like you, th you think if you, if something's narrativized, it's not theorized, and to theorize yeah. something is to interrupt the narrative. Okay. Of it. Yeah. So, and I think even you know even Lacan's notion of the psychoanalytic session is about the way in which that narrative gets interrupted. Mm. But of course, of course, you have to theorize the narrative in order to theorize the interruption so there is a there is a i think a point there where there's a point for an intervention that's mm. not that, which is i think what your intervention is yeah right? no. like it's all about the way in which the interruption or the gap yes like you were just saying you're thinking about a title for your book <laughs> right. called mind the gap right right like that yeah. would be that would be you know because that's the interruption is important and i i think you know Again, this is where psychoanalysis has something, I think, to contribute to under, our way of understanding narrative because it stresses what's not there more than what's mm -hmm. what's there. Yeah, yeah. What's, so this is a great place to, to, to dive in. Uh, the, so this is even something that um, serial narrative theorists uh, agree upon. It's like when we're talking about television, what the, there's just general agreement that the important constitutive feature of serial storytelling is the gap in between installments that ev everybody agrees about that. The thing is that it's not, the gap itself is not theorized necessarily. And that's sort of where, um, my inter inter intervention comes in is right. that like this, uh, so t two of the more famous, um, 
uh, you know, media like narrative theorists like um like uh, jason mattel and sean o'sullivan like they they've written an agreement and different things about the idea that like when you take a series like the, the wire or, or whatever and you put it on dvd and then you uh watch it on 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 discs that that constitutive feature uh the gap is uh is gone so like yeah. And so Mattel writes in like his, uh, I still think it's his most recent book, uh, Complex TV, about how like so he, he's not saying that like um, um, I just want to be fair, like that uh, he's he's focused on the original aired sequence of something that 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 to him is the um, is the that's the constitutive thing of the serial and that after because the gap is evident because you have to wait a exactly. week or whatever to watch yes. the second episode. Yeah. Right. That's exactly yeah. right. Yeah. Where, so where I come in is like, is to say basically that you can't, you just simply cannot erase the gap. It's not, it's not possible. Like you can put, you know, you can put, uh, you can put it on DVD, you can binge watch it, which is, you know, an interest of mine as well that maybe we talk about later, but it, there's the, the gap is gonna, is gonna be there. Um, and it's going to be there in things like, you know, um, act breaks, episode breaks, you know, things like that. Like those are, that's like sort of very obvious examples of, of where we see the gap, but it's more in this, um, how do I want to say it? Like where, um, what, like what, what, uh, what Freud talks about, and, and this is the connection to psychoanalysis that in, uh, studies in, on hysteria, like he, he starts to understand that the uh that psychoanalysis has a serial problem i mean he doesn't exactly put it this way but um it's it's pretty close um where he says that like there there's just there's just problems with like like a a session has to end that's like like it's got to be an hour and what he know yeah what he notices is that um uh, i'm trying to quote him uh exactly is that like the the, the ends of the sessions uh, create a gap. And so what he says is that every newspaper reader suffers from the same drawback in reading the daily installment of his serial story, when immediately after the heroine's decisive speech or after the shot has rung out, he comes upon the words, to be continued, okay? And so what, what Freud's saying is that, like, in analysis is that, like, when you bring something up, uh, the analyze, and, and you can't talk about it, even if it's utterly insignificant that that material that hasn't been brought into the the conversation the like the the discourse if you like of the session itself uh, that's going to trouble the analyze right. and because right. precisely because it hasn't been talked about and so you okay so to go to to television um which i sort of like i don't know that if if people have you have made enough of this but i think it's really great that watching tv and analysis they both happen on a couch which i think is pretty great yeah that is. <laughs> um so but you you so okay so you're 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 watching this you're watching this show and like at some at some point you have to stop and even if you don't stop i even think the gap is more prevalent which is like that gap that i that specter of of there having to be an interruption that's driving you and we're gonna talk about that in a minute but that's driving you to finish the thing so like that gap is present in your um and you're not allowing it to be present it's like sort of like a um i don't know like a present absence if you will um yeah so so can i just say yeah please so isn't it interesting that you so you're you're talking about so 1895 studies on hysteria. Yes, mm-hmm. right. And then so already Freud is seeing how the importance of this interruption and then the drive to continue sort of is the the interruption is the, in some sense the source of the drive to continue. Yes. Right. Yeah. And then so then in 1920 when he famously discovers the idea of death drive mm-hmm. like that, then it's almost like it, over those 25 years uh, or 25 years later, he's mm-hmm. able to kind of formalize this, this sort of understanding that he got from the clinic itself. Right. And then yeah. sort of integrate, he doesn't really fully get integrated into the theory until mm-hmm. 1920 when death, like, wouldn't you say, would you say this, that death drive is kind of the, the, the theoretical manifestation of seriality? Yeah, I, I think I would say that. Like, I mean, yeah. because like it's the um, because what uh, the, the why don't, why don't yeah, we I say what death drive is? So, right, death drive is not 
I mean, Gerard is kind of confused death. on this, right? Yeah. <laughs> He's confused yeah. about his own concept, but but that it's not drive towards death. But right. as he, if you read the book, it's very clear that what he's talking about is repetition, right? right? Yeah. Repetition, mm-hmm. compulsion, and and. So the, this this notion that we're kind of driven to repeat this mm-hmm, thing mm-hmm. without end, mm-hmm. and that then and, and that what's what are we repeating? Some kind of missed encounter, right? And yeah. That, and that this constant missing of the encounter is what gets is what gets repeated. And so I feel like that's a really nice the way in which that interacts with your idea of with the idea of seriality. It finally gets its theoretical expression at that point yeah no it's like uh, that's that's perfect yeah and like with with repetition i mean this is part of my interest in 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 binging is that like i um i believe that the content to binge watching something is utterly incidental or coincidental that's such a great idea ryan oh thank you yeah that it's the it's the form that what people like what people are into is like this is the, the, the drive to binge, if you like, is, is the very act of repeating, like that you're what you're, you're repeating, repeating. Like that's, I mean, right. and I think that that's something that, um, when we're talking about analysis, we're already talking about, you're already talking about repetition. You're always talking about the next thing, right? You, you, someone's going to come back to, you know, when we're talking about a television series, we're also talking about repetition because like, no matter how you watch it, there's some sort of ritual, whether you, uh, you know, um, I, I feel like there's, there's like, um, there's too, there's too much, um, I don't know what the word would be, but like people get a lot. I see this on the internet. People get a lot out of the idea that like, I don't have to schedule my life according to some TV network right, anymore. I can, right, be, and I, right, I, right. it's like, that's, that's too much. Like that's not, yeah. that's, well, it doesn't, yeah. isn't that a way it's a kind of repression of the, of the constitutiveness of the gap. Yes, I think that's right. right. Yeah. yeah, It's a rejection of it. And I think that that's a rejection my, of it. Maybe not repression, maybe rejection. Yeah. yeah. And that, well, that's what makes it evident. So this, this is in, in my idea that even if you, even if you, you binge watch something, even if you're watching something after it is aired, you know, that you can't erase this constitutive gap because you're either, you know, you're either um, living with it. You're either watching a show as it airs, you're watching Game of Thrones or whatever. And you're, you know, living with the, the spaces in between episodes, like weeks or months, or you're watching it as quickly as possible so you don't have to deal with that gap. And so that, like, in the relief of its absence makes it even more prevalent. So this isn't a feature of seriality that you can get rid of. And it's even one that, like... But, the, but it's one we try to get rid of all but the But it's one we try to get rid of. Yeah, that's right. And and, and we're... Um, uh, I, I don't want to beat this to death. We're, we're driven to try to get rid of, I guess. Yeah, but what, isn't it fascinating that we're both drawn to the to the serial, mm-hmm. which has the gap in it. <laughs> right, yet right. We're, dr- we're drawn to try to erase the gap once we, we engage in the serial, you know? Right. So it's a yeah. weird kind of, it's like a completely contradictory conception of serial subjectivity, or if you want to call it that, like, you know, like, the, mm. like on the one hand, we're drawn to the serial. And then on the other hand, when we're in, we're trying to we do what we can to avoid it. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I wrote about this. So uh, I wrote about this in, um, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back uh, with this at all. I mean, this, we're talking about my idea, so maybe I, that's yeah. just like ridiculous, but, yeah. um, so I wrote an essay on the serial podcast and, um, that was uh, published in a collection of essays on the serial podcast. And one of the things I, I found, uh, some uh, journalism and communications like uh, experts were talked about. Um, they they had they were asked to talk about a lot of things. Like um, for one, the 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 show was receiving plaudits for it, its investigation of this um, possible wrongful conviction. Right. And but this was the thing was that um, they didn't know how they were going to end it. In fact, they hadn't. Uh, when I say they, I mean uh, Ira Glass and Sarah Koenig. Um, they the they had constructed this thing serially. Like the, there was no, they weren't put. They hadn't had this thing finished, and they were putting out episodes one week at a time. They were doing it as Dickens wrote his 
his own right. serials like like with without end like and things came in like like once the the podcast became popular people were like calling in they're like hey i've got some evidence or whatever like right. i want i want to talk to people and so anyway there a lot of uh, media ec- experts were asked to discuss the ethicality of this and i remember i forget his name uh, so i apologize to whoever this is out there but i've talked about you in print if you ever listen to this <laughs> so um <laughs> but there was this guy um who who said that what he didn't, that this was exactly the thing that he didn't like. He thought that it was really gripping. He understood why the story was told this way, but he would have preferred just from the uh, perspective of journalistic ethics that the show be finished and so that they could properly vet information so they're not making spurious claims or accusations against certain people. So the objection was the objection to seriality itself. Yes, and that's what I wrote. This was was my line, which was that this guy wants the serial... Without the serial. Exactly, without the serial. That's exactly what I wrote. Yeah. You could make some kind of silly pun about Frosted Flakes. Frosted, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But no, I, I mean, I feel like... That's a really good, I think that's really, there's something about the, you know, the, the, the real double, the, the sort of contradiction of subjectivity in that, right? I, mm, I feel mm-hmm. like that really gets at the way we're both, because the, like what we're drawn to in the serial, I think you point out pretty nicely, is that we're drawn to the repetition of it and mm, the mm-hmm. way in which there's this thing that we're constantly missing and we're drawn to what we're missing and yet we're constantly trying to find ways to have it without having having it it. without (laughs) without the you know yeah i wonder if that's related to what um zizek causes calls like uh you know the the chocolate laxative or the decaffeinated yeah it's it's a similar kind of dynamic i guess like you're you want to have the thing and yet not the traumatic Part of it, right? Yes. The, dis- the, the, the disruptive part of it, which is the... But to take away that is, of course, to take away the, the thing itself. Although you, I think what you're claiming is kind of that you can't even no. take it away. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's, so, so it's a little different, I think, yeah. because because I think what you're saying is... I mean, I'll let you say what No, you're no, saying. no, it's okay. No, it's fine. <laughs> but I, I feel like what you're saying is that you can't even... Like, all these attempts to, to take it away don't ever really take it away. I mean, no. it's kind of what Freud... Like what Freud says about repression, right? Like mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. that repression of a of a drive never works, and it actually strengthens, it the, strengthens drive, the drive. Yeah, you know? like yeah. so. So there's no. It's not like oh, it's funny how people use the term repression. Even they use it like oh, that's repressed. I'm not. It's not. It's, bothering it's gone. You. But no, no, that no. means it's bothering you all the more. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. That's exact. No, that's exactly right. I think that's that's. I think that's totally true. I like so the um. The, the, I mean, the, in the whole, the reason is the same for for repression. I mean, like, and this is why I like, you know, in a way, I, I think it's sort of interesting. I, I um, in this essay that on binging that I've written that I'm going to send out, hopefully get published. Um, I, I do think that there is an, an overlap here with what people like Jason Mattel have been saying about um, television narrative, which is that like he makes his point, I think, like kind of nicely in um, in uh, in complex TV that like. And, and I and I subscribe to it wholeheartedly that we when we talk about television, we should not be talking about it in terms of other mediums, like what other mediums do well. Like to, to say that to say that The Wire is a novel for television, like reduces what what's so great about it. And and it, like it, it, it makes it um, like only it makes it only uh, I don't even want to say co-equal, but it makes it what another medium does. And so like, so his whole thing is to like push for a poetics of television narrative, like, and, and whatever. And so in a way that is completely divorced from, I think anything he would do, or maybe even like is what I think uh, I'm trying to do it with the, the serial form is to show that like this, the serial form, um, it, it, with its like insistence on on like gaps and repetitions, it, it, it has a structure that that mimics our own psyche, and I think that's why we are drawn to it and why we reject it. Because you know, this is what you hear all the time: is that like, well, I binge watch to, um, you know, because I want to, I want to escape, and right. at a certain, but at a certain point, you're not, you're not as, you're, you're just encountering. The, the you know again you're just encountering the structure of your own psyche it's just out right. there it's not right. in here yeah 
I, I find what you said about television pretty fascinating, but because wouldn't you say that television sort of emerges as its own medium with the birth of this? I mean, maybe you wouldn't say this, and I well, think most g- television people would hate me for saying <laughs> this, but I think I I think it's right that it okay. that with the birth of seriality, which you and I think most people agree that it's Twin Peaks, right? That um, yeah, full serial storytelling on like primetime yeah, serial yeah. storytelling on TV. So yeah. with the birth mm-hmm. of seriality, then television sort of comes into its own as a as a medium, right? And it, what's I find it fascinating that there aren't really, although this isn't true in the beginning of cinema, but there aren't mm-hmm. really serial films. No, yeah, but yeah. but but serial is kind of endemic to the tell. I mean, when people used to go to the cinema every you know, every week or even every, every other day, there used to be, you know, like in the silent era, there were serials. Yeah. Perils of Pauline. Like Perils of Pauline. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. But, but today there's no, it, it's, it, it's unthinkable that a film could be a serial. Right. And, and yeah. mm-hmm. whereas television, like once the serial, it seems like, I think you could, yes. say, I wonder no, if you would say this. Go ahead. No, this, no, that, go ahead. Yeah. yeah. Television's ascendancy over cinema mm-hmm directly coincides to the to its opting for seriality as its form. I think that is totally right. And I actually think that so what you're saying, so there's a bit there's a um a popular TV critic um that um I, I, I like a lot. Um uh oh my god, am I gonna blow this? Am I gonna blow his name? Um oh Alan Seppenwall. He uh and he and a number of other people, I, I want to say there's um, there's a TV critic. Uh, I think it's Alison Herman. She writes for The Ringer, who she's also written about this, um, which is that be the the dominance of seriality in uh, in television is such that like there's now from I, I'm sure there are other TV critics uh, that are saying the same thing where they're, they're trying to say that like like the episode ha- like doesn't matter anymore. And they're trying to say that like you like right. you are like your show doesn't have to be totally serial that like that, that there's na- that now when a show, it's so funny, like now when a show like a uh, master of none on Netflix, when it opts for like an episodic structure, it's lauded as like a breath of fresh air. And it's so funny because that's the old model of TV. That's the old model. Right? Yeah. Right. But yeah. you're, but I think that speaks to what you're, what you're saying is that like, I think you're right that like the dominance of the, the serial form, uh, is I, I think it's integral to yeah. the success of tele like to yeah, television replacing cinema as our as the like the main art form right like yeah. it, I mean no one would say that the best works of you know media art are coming from film I mean in film everyone would say it's television yeah right? that's like, the doxa, like someone think, even yeah. asked me can I name a great film that's been made since the turn of the, or in the, they said in the last 10 years, because turn okay. of the century, I think you could say like Mulholland Drive or yeah. Memento or something. But, mm-hmm. um, but in the last 10 years, and I mean, you can do it and you got to think, I think outside of the U S right. Because mm. like certified cop, I mean, I think, Oh yeah. Certified you know, copies. Cache, great. I think is great. And I think there's a couple of, other Iranian would things, you say but Birdman like just like total aside I don't think I would say I mean so? is it a okay. great film is it like a is I've, it like the conversation or you know I've taught you know. it here's a, maybe this is the thing is I can't say anymore because I've taught it so much and I always teach it with Carver and I think it is such a brilliant like rendering of what we talk about when we talk about love that yeah. I I can all that I can only see it as that like my um yeah. excuse me I'm having a drink of water um, my, my take is that like the, uh, and, and this is probably not why Inarutu does this, but like the one take, um, at the single take aspect of that film is because the, what it's about is it's about putting on a play. A play is always done in one take. It's yeah, also, then, a, it's also a play based on a short story that is like four characters in a single setting. That's a single conversation. And I think that that's like, um, what it ends up doing is it like, it extends the world of the stage, um, to, like so it's shot in this like it's shot in this like extra like hyper like realist mode of like uh with with, like supposedly no cuts but it's also like magical realism so it's sort of i i think it's like this really interesting collision of like i don't know formalist and realist film theory so but like again like i said i've taught it so much that i don't maybe i can't see it. yeah maybe i mean maybe but but it's still they're very rare yeah yes either way you can you can name 
like like the television series that are remarkable, you could name probably ten of them. So yeah, yeah, you know, it's I think it's really clear that that one medium is ascending and the other one is at least in the U.S. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I although in U.S. and Europe, I mean, I think you know, like Wong Kar Wai, like Twenty Forty Six is a great film, and yeah. And well, you know, Kurostami made great. So I think there are other. I'm also thinking about that series. I, I believe it was. Oh, what is it called? Uh, I don't remember the name, but the Israeli series that Homeland's based on. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so there's. Uh, but anyway, um, but right, no, it's not I th- just U.S. and Europe, right? Yeah, yeah. No, so I. I but I think you're right. Like it, that. Um, and I and I would probably argue that this is the reason why you know Ryan Johnson stages the Last Jedi as like a serial film like it picks up serial right and he and he uh i mean he cut his teeth basically producing uh television like he's he's responsible for like he directed two of the i know you haven't seen breaking bad so i'm not gonna like talk about it but um he's he shot he directed two of the best episodes of the series um and i don't think it's an accident that he maybe i don't know has, has taken this like the the um well, exactly what you said, the like the serial feeling of, of TV right. or this like this ascendancy and this this like cultural validation of the serial form, basically. And he's brought it to uh, to the cinema where like The Last Jedi begins immediately after uh, right. the, the Force Awakens, which, I, right. you know, anyway, so that that makes it it makes it actually it makes it more serial than the original Star Wars films, which were inspired by serial films. By serials, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's right. I mean, yeah. I wonder if, I wonder if, um, if you should maybe go back and talk about Freud's own. Oh, sorry, yeah. You know, I No, don't be sorry, but just <laughs> Freud's own. I mean, I, oh, it, it oh, seems his, like that's important. Like okay. the way he himself, Freud and Lacan, both the way that they thought of seriality Maybe that we could kind of like ground things back into mm-hmm. psychoanalytic theory. So, you know, yeah. 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 Well, so the thing, um, one of the things that I'm also making uh, a lot of in uh, both my dissertation slash first book and this article uh, that I'm working on um, is uh, Freud's correspondence with his wife, which he talks often of uh, reading uh, serial fiction, particularly Dickens. So, um, and Dickens, yeah. it, remind me, Dickens invent Dickens and Balzac simultaneously. What is yeah? The in story 18, here? 1836, uh, they both. Um, I, I I could be wrong about this with Balzac, but he, I, it might be the old maid um, is the is the story that he begins to serialize in uh, in France, and uh, I I know this for a fact. In England, it's the Pickwick Papers that. Um, Interestingly, did they know each other? I don't think I don't want to say no, but I don't know. I don't but they know. didn't. They didn't plan to serialize at the same. Certainly time. not. That's, no, okay. they. There was not. They didn't meet halfway at some like, <laughs> like Calais. Um, at Calais, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, no, yeah. they <laughs> to like coffee shop to be like, hey, let's invent a new form for. So it's um. So in England, so would, would you yeah. think though it must have been in the air, right? Because it was. Did, it yeah. was. It was a little bit. So in. So this is kind of the thing with, with Victorian England. So uh, going back to the, I guess this would be referred to as the restoration period, but you had somebody like, um, so Daniel Defoe writes Robinson Crusoe and, uh, Robinson Crusoe is a, a, a wild success and newspapers start publishing it serially. Now the significance with Dickens and Pickwick papers is that it's the first thing that was written. Written serially. Exactly. Yeah. So, so uh, Defoe was serialized after the fact. So that had already yeah. been, yeah. So that had already been invented, but like what Dickens uh, started to do was, uh, was new. And I do think, I mean, so you get like, uh, technology obviously is a big thing here where like, you know, the, the, like the, you know, printing press. And then of course the, uh, how easy it now is to like create newspapers and people don't, when people talk about Victorian seriality, they almost always exclusively talk about, uh, novels, but like, there were a crazy number of like newspapers and, and journals that like like anarchist and socialist and communist like um, uh, newspapers were being published all the time, and they ran into like some problems with seriality that we that we have now, which is so fascinating. Um, uh, there's a book that chronicles this. Um, I th- uh, I've, the name of the scholar is escaping me, but the name of the book is Slow Print, and what she talks about is. Um, 
how like uh, some of these like socialist and anarchist um, uh, newspapers were trying to figure out like, well, we need to keep we need to keep doing this because we believe in the cause that we're fighting for. But we also need to make enough money off of this. So they had to include advertising. And so they had to like say, like, look, just because we're doing this, it doesn't mean we're selling out <laughs> to capitalists. But like this right. is this is a thing where like, you know, d- like uh, um, this is a thing. And so we're doing a podcast. This is a, a thing with podcasts. There's this website. I don't know if you know about it called Patreon, where like you like podcasts can be like paid for by listeners instead of by like oh, advertising. instead of by advertising. Yeah. So yeah. this is like always. Well, we so should, our advertisers have not been paying. I <laughs> <that>. No. <laughs> what the hell is going on? Yeah. I don't know. Who's, yeah. Who's in charge of our accounts receivable? Who's in charge? Yeah. yeah it yeah. must be, it must be uh, your yeah. sons, I think. Yeah, the, it must be. Yeah. It's your, your sons and my cat. Like that's who's taking yeah, care of our yeah. accounts. Um, but yeah. So anyway, like, um, but that's, so that's the sort of the, there's all kinds of stuff going on with seriality. And so Dickens starts, he publishes, um, yeah, uh, Pickwick Papers. And and Freud loved him, right? Loved him. His favorite book, he loved him so much that the first gift that he gave to his, who would become his wife, uh, Martha, was a copy of David Copperfield. Wow. That that was, and it's, um, people My think, first gift yeah, was Hegel's Phenomenology of Spirit. Is that spouse. right? That's, yeah. You're probably yeah. lying about that, but I... But, <laughs> probably. <laughs> probably. Uh, probably, yeah. Do you know that, just the total aside, one of my... I don't think they do this anymore, but the... Um, the beer company Carlsberg, they used to have these ads in England that ended with probably the best uh, beer in the world. That was <laughs> their, pretty um, good. Yeah, I yeah, like that a lot. Um, yeah. But but uh, anyway, so yeah, he loved he loved Copperfield. He loved Dickens. Um, but he was disappointed by Bleak House. Right? <laughs> he thought what I have got the quote here. What does he say? Um, he said he ranks it far below David Copperfield. He thought it tendentious and hard. Um, but then he says, this is so amazing. I don't want to spoil it for you. It's beauties are obvious while it's faults have to be sought for. Like that's a spoiler uh, alert, isn't it? Like yeah, that's a, that, yeah. so Freud, that's, you claim this in the essay, right? I do. That Freud, Freud gives us the first spoiler, spoiler alert in human history. Yeah. And yeah, in, in the four, yeah. In, in written communication, that's the yeah. first, that's the first one. Um, yeah. and so I, I think it's really interesting to, th- to, to stage, if we look at Freud and you look at his personal correspondence and then you so look So that's at the only time he uses the word serial, is that correct? In or? his in the standard edition, he uses serial one time and it's in it's in studies on hysteria, which is like basically okay. I mean for all intents and purposes that's the first but he doesn't book. use it in the in the correspondence with Martha. Um, he just is talking about Dickens being serialized. That I don't know because I'm I don't have the this what I'm uh, quoting from are not uh, the uh, the letters. There's no collection of the letters. Oh. The, the, there's um there's just this book that I have by um uh, SS Prower called a uh, cultural citizen of the world. And he talks about, he basically talks about Freud's reading and this is like his project in that book. And he does say at one point that, you know, um, he, 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 uh, talks about Freud as a modernist and that there are, we have full copies of the letters of modernists like James Joyce, like letters that he wrote to his wife. Like we have all of that, you know? Yeah. And, uh, but there doesn't seem to be the same thing, um, with Freud. And I wonder if maybe part of that too, is that like, I mean, I know that you would agree with this. Like, like psychobiography is awful. Like it's, I think it's, it's, it's very boring. And I wonder if like, so we have his letters to Fleiss. That's like part of his whole, like, that's like part of the canon basically. But we don't have like this personal correspondence, which I wonder if were to be published, like, does it does it wreck the mystery a little bit or or what I, or I wonder? But like, maybe, maybe, yeah, I just yeah, maybe, yeah. But, but I I, yeah. I think you're right. It's probably worthless. Yeah, but yeah. but I do think so. I I make a lot of it because he has this one professional reference to seriality, and it's in for all intents and purposes like the first major text on psychoanalysis, right. and and it's a clearly a problem that he's trying to work through this like serial problem of uh, of the clinic, and. Then in his personal life, he is he's corresponding with his wife constantly about like reading and his reading. And he 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 also writes to her about like how he stayed up to finish Daniel Deronda like this, you know, George Eliot, like like he says he said my he says my well-known impatience made me hurry to get to the end. And he like discounted a few hours of sleep. And it's like so like Freud is like binge reading. This is how I this is how I read this. Right. And like. 
if you look at if, like, so we have this evidence, we have this, we have this stuff in the standard edition and we have this personal correspondence. And if we look at Freud as like an archetype for, um, uh, uh, someone who is like, like experiencing in like, 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 uh, uh, both experiencing and thinking critically about seriality. And, uh, I, I think that we can see that like the idea of like a binge watcher, it's not a new phenomenon that it has, uh, that it has an old, that, that it, you know, it, it's got an old resonance, but also it has like an intellectual history to it. And that like, there's, um, you know, a, 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 a vibrant, if you like, site of inquiry that's available by, um, by staging him as like our, like our er binger, you know, like, our, yeah, yeah, like our er <laughs> serial critic, you know, or, or, or something. So I think, yeah, that, but, yeah. but isn't, <laughs> Freud shouldn't have been binge reading. He should have known better, right? He, <laughs> he, he, he theorized the drive. Like, he yeah, should, well, yeah, maybe, well, maybe, not yet. maybe his, his like inability to, to correctly theorize the drive resulted in all this binge reading. You know? As, well, yeah, like... like the, it's, what, a, it's a kind of response to theoretical failure. Yeah, that's interesting. Because that was... Well, so this was my first, um, like, theory of, of, of binging was that it was like, um, oh, I don't know, like like chase addiction or whatever. Like, you're... Tr- like, right. like um, excuse me, like, like Freud uh, says even, um, like, it made him hurry to get to the end. And it's like... Uh, w- you know, we can like, we can blitz through something, uh, and then it's over, you know? And, and, but that's not, you know, nobody like, this is the thing with binging, right? Like we're binge watching TV, I should say, is that you don't, or been binge reading a novel is like, it's not like I'm going to binge read. I'm going to go through this once and then that's over, you know, that, that becomes like, this is your model for how you are approaching these works. Like that's like, you know, um, I remember one time coming back from spring break, uh, and asking my students, uh, this was at UVM, did anybody go anywhere? Anybody do anything? And I got like nothing. And then I was like, what series did you binge watch? And like everybody started talking like at once, you know? And, and like, so this, this is, um, I don't think it's, well, for one, it's not like a new cultural phenomenon, but I, I think it like, it, it actually is useful for exposing like our relationship to, uh, to seriality and that like we, you know, like I think we said a few minutes ago, uh, you know, we, we want it, we, we crave it, but we also like, we try to refuse it. And that, that's not, it's not something we do for certain texts. I think it's something we do for all texts. Right. I, I, you yeah, know, it's really good. Yeah. yeah. It, it's, yeah, it, I agree with that. there's only, there's only binging or you're self-regulating. I think like to, to avoid it, but then that makes it present, you know? And, and, and I, well, so anyway, yes. Yeah, really? Saying. You think there's only binging or repressive self-regulating? Yeah, I'm not sure. Or I'm convinced of this right now, I think, but, um, hmm. I like, I, cause I just, it, it seems to me that like, uh, so you don't okay, think okay. that you can, embrace the enjoyment of the lack you don't think that as a um i don't as a well, like as a, as a reader I, mean, I think you don't viewer, think no, that. no no i'm thinking no I'm, I'm thinking i'm trying to think it through i think i would say that i think that i mm. think that the specter of the end makes it not possible that's what i think yeah with 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 narrative wow. i guess I would yeah say. i got you i got yeah. you so that like there so, seems that like the end seems to be this sanction on the experience that like if you get there then there is no lack right but then you get to the end and you find that you're really lacking and that's like always that's like the big I mean I this is like the big problem with like serial television is is like is endings is a huge problem right, because right. they're they're not thought about ahead of time and they shouldn't be I want to be they really shouldn't clear. be I think that's a key point right yeah. we we we've talked about this before privately but I feel like. That's a great, to me, that's the main difference between film and television, right? Like the mm-hmm. film ending has got to be thought about beforehand. And, Absolutely. And, and completely conceived. Otherwise, it's a total disaster. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, you, put, and, you put this nicely. I don't know if you want to say, say more about it, like, but it, it is the difference between Poe and Dickens. Poe and Dickens, yeah. yeah. Right. So yeah. Poe is a writer for cinema and and he he was very clear that he thought you should never ever ever start writing a a piece of uh fiction before you've already conceived of the end of it right and 
Dickens thought that was a total, that was a, like a buzzkill. Like he right. thought, yeah. he thought you would totally destroy what you're trying to do if you knew ahead of time where you were going to go. Which it's it's interesting. Which is why we have these you know ending problems in Dickens. Like yeah, the there's middle great expectations, and there's middle things too with um with Pickwick Papers, the first thing he he serialized. It didn't take off until he included this like kind of Cockney character named Sam Weller, and people loved him. And then so Dickens started writing more about him. Right. So you right exactly. Yeah. So yeah. you. You see, this is tied to what you were talking about about the podcast, like mm-hmm. or about the the serial, right? Like you can you can see how the audience is reacting and then change in response to that, right? Exactly, exactly. So I, but what's fascinating then though is that that either way, so for the for the film or the or the post story, the ending, it's already you're it's a, it's as if right that you're already experiencing the ending as you're going along. Mm. Like the ending is written into what you're yes. experiencing throughout. Yes. Right? So even though, of course, there can be a surprise, like, okay, it can end like Memento or Fight Club or whatever, and it can be surprising. Sure. But in some sense, that ending is already written into it. It's already written into the beginning. One of the things that I, I like a lot is the, um, I don't know if this is the first line of Interstellar, but it's one of the first lines where um, uh, Matthew McConaughey's character is like having a, a, a nightmare dream of this, uh, failed, um, uh, like flight test basically. And he wakes up with a start and then his daughter is in the, his young daughter's in the room and she says, I thought you were my ghost. And that's the ending that's written. That is already the the ending. I think isn't the first line though, my dad always loved forming (laughs) like it's a joke. (laughs) Oh, like she's, isn't she reflecting on the, maybe you're right. Maybe that's it. But I, I thought that it's her as an older woman, Reflecting, she says, "My dad was a farmer." Yeah, it was a farmer. Like my dad was a farmer. They all were. We all, yeah, 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 because it begins with those like uh, Dust Bowl kind of like Ken Burns, um, right? Yeah, reflections on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It has to be a joke. I hope. Oh, totally. Yeah, totally. (laughs) But but yeah, I think that's great. So then the ending is already written into it. Whereas Mm -hmm. that's why I, you know, of course there are disappointing film endings. Sure, but but maybe. Maybe it's it's not as extreme as in the serial, right? Like, mm-hmm. like they're like maybe I don't, I'm not sure if I want to say this, but I feel okay. like there <laughs> there's not that that in the serial the, the the potential for being disappointed is much more extreme because the ending is is doing violence to the mm. serial form itself. Right? Yeah, that's really nice. No, I lo- yeah. I love that. That's a great phrase. I, I think I said this to you before. Um, the Library of Congress has a wonderful definition of um, of what a serial is, and part of it is that a serial is expected to continue indefinitely. Right. And right. I think that so what the Library so of Congress. So it's Con- the inner. Go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say like what that definition is referring to is like a newspaper, you know. Um, but it's I think it's super useful for thinking about for thinking about television. You know, yeah, you know, but what's yeah. isn't what's fascinating about television? Mm-hmm. So, like, if a serial goes on too long, it totally yeah. it just it just fizzles out. It's terrible. Like mm-hmm. ER, what I don't was it sixteen seasons or whatever. It was just it was terrible. Long time. Long time. And now Grey's Anatomy is like trying to take that right. It's just gone. Yeah. It just yeah. It just needs to stop. But but the Simpsons the, the, is the, the great. Ending, I love the Simpsons. The Simpsons is great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But the ending is still violent, right? Mm-hmm. So the ending is still this interruption or punctuation. And I think that's I love that the way in which you talk about this like it's like this quilting point. Yeah. Where, you know, that then and this is why I think that tell the serial ending can be so disappointing to us because that ending because it punctuates and sort of quilts the whole mm-hmm. narrative, it causes us to reread everything yes. that we've Witness before I remember Battlestar Galactica when I saw the end <laughs> yeah, I was yeah. like that this series is terrible I, I thought it was the greatest series I had ever seen yeah and then it ended and I'm like this is just it's all terrible yeah it's, yeah it was terrible from the beginning I just didn't know that it was terrible. <laughs> you just didn't realize well yeah. it's so so this is I mean I think this is where it makes sense to start talking about Lacan is that I I think what is um is so fascinating and this is a another. I think really clear psychoanalytic uh, resonance in watching television and then um, actually being in analysis is that like the, the, the idea of the transference is that like for analysis to, to work, you have to, you have to go 
into analysis and you have to believe that this person has something to say to me about me. You, you have to suppose them. to. You know. have to suppose them to know something. Exactly. Right. You have to suppose them to know. Right. It's the same for, it's the same a for television series, television yeah. series, the same stand up comedy. Like you can't. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Can I okay. ask you a question? About the, I think that's right. Yeah. But what, it, what would you say to this? Mm-hmm. That really in the case of television, a television series is you're looking for something that shares your same fundamental fantasy. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, that's, a little, I, I, that's I, obviously I, different from it's different, different from but, analysis. Yeah. But, yeah. but, but I kind of think you're, I, look, sorry, that's just a, maybe no, that's no. wrong. And maybe that's just kind of a side point, but I no. think your point is right that you have to suppose that the person who made it knows maybe that would fit into this fantasy idea, but mm-hmm. that it, that, that person knows what they're doing. The, they right? know what they're doing. Yeah. And then, yeah. and then you have to do, and then that's why 24 is so disappointing right because you <laughs> it's you, watch yeah. it, you realize they don't the people who are making it they're just throwing stuff against the wall because they, they have know to, what they're doing yeah i want to yeah can we talk about 24 like a little bit yeah, later because yeah, yeah, i think yeah. it fits so well with what something else that lacan says about about seriality but i want to talk about this yeah this point about the subject supposed to know is that like i think you're you are supposed supposed to think that the showrunner uh of you know whatever 24 um you know, lost uh, Battlestar Galactica, that they know exactly where they're going. And uh, Dame Lindelof, the showrunner, one with the co-showrunner of um, Lost for a long time, well, for the whole series, he said uh, in an interview that, like, you know, he said all the time that, like, they knew the ending, that we know where we're going, but the fact was that that, that they didn't. And Oh, that was a lie. Yes, it was a lie. And so mm. what he says is, he said, like, but he's like, but you have to like what you have to understand is that like he said you want he, he, and he, he wasn't he, um I'm maybe not going to capture the like the context of him saying this. It was in an interview on uh, a podcast that's part of the Ringer Network or Bill Simmons Network. Um, yeah. And he was he was saying that like, you know, you like you meaning the fans, you said like you want me to tell that lie and you because you want to believe it. He's like, and I want to believe it, too. He's like, so like. And so he likened it to um, his, there was some, uh, his, they, they live in Los Angeles, him, he and his family, and his son had school canceled because there was a potential, like, shooting, uh, like, okay. that somebody might have. And his son asked him why school was canceled, and he lied to him, and because he said that it's, that's better, it was far better for me to explain why it was actually canceled. And he said that, like, as a, as a TV viewer, it's much better like for me to lie to you than for me to tell you the truth in that scenario, because then you're not, you're not going to enjoy the show. Like you're, you're not, you're not going to like it. I don't know. I I don't agree with that. I don't don't agree with that. that. I don't think that you're supposing them to know is you're supposing them to know how it ends. Interesting. I think, you know, I don't, I do, I I do though, but that's, but I want to hear what you say. You do think that I do. I think, well, I think you suppose them to be able to discover how it ends. I think that's too mature. I really do. Like, I think I, I wish that was the case. I, but I like it speaking from the perspective of like, uh, like looking at how people like chuck their toys out of the crib when Lost ended um, and Sopranos ended. I think that it is the people suppose the showrunners to know exactly how it's going to end. And not only is it going to, as you say, quilt the entire show together, but it's going to like make sense and validate the investment that the viewers, spend. which it never could. It right? never, That's it's why simply it, right, never right, could. Right. Yeah. So there's a way in which a couple things like yeah. there's a way in which the end is always inadequate. Yes. Right. But, but there's also a way which like makes seriality a lot like our real lives. <laughs> it's true. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but, but isn't there, the other thing is that it quilts and retroactively creates the meaning of everything that's come before, right? Yeah, this notion yeah. of Freud's notion of noctreglicite or mm-hmm. retroactivity, mm-hmm. um, that, that for Freud, Freud talks about it in, in specific terms, like you have had trauma when you're very, you're young and couldn't make sense of it. And then something right. later repeats that trauma and then you retroactively experience the earlier thing as traumatic. Right. So, but, but Lacan makes a much bigger deal out of that concept yeah. with right. this idea of the quilting point that this mm-hmm. certain act of punctuation and the, and 
not just the kind of punctuation, but the point at which you decide to punctuate it, yeah, then changes everything that you've that's come before, which ties into what you said about you know form being more important than content in yeah. terms of seriality. Right? So I've thought, yeah. So like a, a couple things on this because I I think this is totally right that that the what's disappointing about television series ending is that like when you're watching it sort of like the library of congress definition is that your show could be anything like even up to like the minute the show ends like it could have seemingly like like to you as a viewer like it could have like any number of meanings but when it ends it means it's like one thing or like you know two or three things and that's it it's settled and it's over now and retroactively Whatever it is that like, because I do think I do think one of the things that you said about like um, the as a as a viewer, like I do think that you are looking for something in you in the show. Like like I think that that's right. I think right. that's abs- that's totally right, because I think that's our relationship. Well, not but not in you, like in you phantasmatically. In, right? in like, you, yeah. Like, yeah. Like something about your fantasy you want to see manifested in the show i feel yeah, like yeah, yeah. i think that's i also totally think right. don't yeah. you think it like i i wonder if you would just say that i'm it's a retroactive illusion on my part but i want to say that both battlestar and Mad Men. i didn't think the ending of Mad Men was terrible as battlestar no. but yeah no, not at all. uh i didn't think it was as good as it could have been like i thought both ended about a season too late and hmm. battlestar should have ended when they discovered this burned out world. <laughs> yeah yeah. And then that's Earth, and that should have been Earth, right? Yeah. Like we had already blown it up. This was a futuristic show, and you know, it's a little like that, uh, Planet of the Apes, the first Planet one. Of the, yeah. Right, <laughs> yeah. right, right. Yeah. That would have been great. Oh, by the way, I want to. I don't know why, but you know how you sometimes get like you know like uh, just like thoughts that you don't know where they come from as you're yeah. drifting off to sleep. Last yeah. night, I for the first time, and I don't know why I was thinking about that. It hit me. How does Charlton Heston know that we blew it up at the end of? Planet of the Apes. Like, that's an unbelievable assumption. There's nothing about, like, is there radiation? Like, is that even in that movie? Yeah, there's radiation. Is for there? Sure. Okay, that's yeah, not yeah, that's yeah, not the yeah, second yeah. movie? No, there's a whole forbidden zone that's covered with radiation. But did they know did they know that it's radiation in that movie? Or is that like that's what yeah, I'm wa- I think they know. Yeah. They okay. Know. All right. So you thought it was a plot hole. No, not a plot hole. I, well, I just thought or you that, just thought an assumption because he's such a, a nihilist. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, I don't yeah. I don't like I hate anyone who's like trying to be like, well, this is a plot hole in the movie. Like, look, if you can this is Yeah, yeah. My thing. I understand. You yeah, just don't yeah. like him as a character. He's a very unlikable <laughs> character. Is. And guy. And like, guy. So, yeah, yeah, true. Yeah. Any anyway. But anyway, uh, so yes, I would yeah. say like I so that's how I wanted Battlestar to end. Right, right. And yeah. then I wanted Mad Men to end with when he takes his two kids to the brothel. Yeah. Where, this is where yeah. I grew up. This is who I am. Yeah. And, and you know, I wonder if that's just an illusion of, like, we got this one ending, so then you're always positing the better one. Mm. Or mm. it's like, you know, there is a – they have these possibilities, and if you don't hit the – what do they call it? It's like stick the landing. If you don't hit it exactly yeah. right, then you kind of like the whole show. Like to my mind, the way that Mad Men ended, it 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 like made the whole show. I thought the whole show was very non-cynical. Mm-hmm. But then the ending of it made it seem like the triumph of cynicism. I know Wiener doesn't think this. Wiener he doesn't think it's that. Like, yeah, it's like. Uh, real authenticity yeah, comes he, through in advertising, yeah. which is to me just. What's the correct word? We're not supposed to say st- the boys aren't. They get in more trouble for saying stupid than for saying fuck. But oh, that's I think that's just a stupid. Point. That's so funny. I mean, my mother did the same thing when uh, when she was raising uh, my sister and I. That we couldn't. No, say but st- I don't care about that. No, I'm I know. talking about their school. You yeah. know. Oh, 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 is that right? I okay. encourage both stupid and fuck. <laughs> yeah, and and you should. Yeah. No, I think yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, 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 I think yeah, you're probably yeah, yeah. right. Um, no, yeah. but I so so I I I don't know if that's just a kind of illusion or that that really is there's a kind of there's a moment of possibility there that then gets hmm. that they miss you know that the, it just it just it's so because fun. yeah there's a desire to keep talking or to, which i just did like a desire yeah. to kind of keep going <laughs> in order to avoid the trauma that that the, that like is the, the stop the, the punctuation and the yeah the punctuation yeah. yeah i mean i think that it's that it, it coincides with how with what viewers experience as like th- this is going to end here and now this is all that the show is and i do think right. that you're probably right as like a as a creator you're like no i can there's like a little bit more there's a little bit more to the story yeah. there's more that we could say yeah. i do know that in the uh, it being fair to battlestar a little bit like 
I think sci-fi made them do another they season. They made them keep going. I'm yeah. pretty sure. And I also know there was um, problems with like, uh, not to get like to get bogged down in minutia, but like the, uh, the actress who played, um, Starbuck. Uh, Starbuck. Yeah. Like there was problems with her contract. So she might not be on the show. So she was killed and then she was brought back and they just had no idea. Ronald be more like had no idea how he was going to tie that in, but he just, yeah. he just did it, you know? And yeah. then, um, and then it was resolved in the worst way possible, which is she just disappears. And right. it's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah, yeah, that was so unfortunate. Yeah. yeah. Just so nonsense. What, yeah. why don't we conclude with 24, which is a, oh, a sort yeah. of bad note to end on, but bad note to end, end on with, we yeah. can end with the bad. So, so yeah. this is the, yeah, so this is where I would, would go to, um, to go back to Lacan is that like Lacan, um, he writes in, um, the Portland letter, uh, seminar on the Portland letter that, um, the, in the postscript, which yeah, is it's a po- an appendix or something. Yeah. The right? appendix, yeah. which is important because none of this was talked about in all of those, the like Derrida's response and, you know, Barbara Johnson, everybody right. like that whole thing. In the, I think Bruce Fink is the only person that really talks about it in the Lacanian subject. Length. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right, not right. Right. Yeah, and it's excellent, but not I mean, in that little collection. Pearl, you're right. His discussion is great. It's it's fantastic. It may, yeah. So what Lacan uh, gets at, or what he decides to take on in the appendix, is that in the Pearlin letter, uh, Poe has this it, the I forgot the name of the um, character who's relaying this entire narrative about the Pearlin letter, but um, I think it's just the narrator. I don't think we ever know. Oh, we don't ever know the name. Okay, but I don't think so because Dupin is the is the oh yeah detective, but I don't think we know the narrator. That's oh, okay. That's Maybe great. I'm wrong. But no, no, you could be yeah. right. Um, yeah. I, like, there's this great, it's really funny. <laughs> just again, total aside. There's uh, this great Simpsons episode. I want to say from like season four where um, Homer is, is watching uh, pregame sports shows to try to, cause he's, he's gets into gambling, like gambling on uh-huh. football. And um, the, he, he's watching and like everyone has a gimmick. They say like, this is my lock of the week. And they have a giant lock that they put on the table. He goes to the next, t- he goes to the next ch- uh, station. He says, this is my shoe in of the week. And this guy with a giant <laughs> shoe. Anyway. So one of the, one of the guys says like, uh, Denver versus Buffalo too close to call. But if you're one of those compulsive types, I don't know, Denver and Homer calls in the bet for Denver and then they lose and they come, he comes back and he, he's watching the TV to try to get some sort of like justification for like how this guy could pick the sports game wrong. And his, his response is he says, Hey, when you're right, 52% of the time, you're wrong 48% of the time. And that's <laughs> so anyway, so you could be 52% right or 48% 52%, wrong yeah, about yeah, who yeah, the, yeah. if the narrator's named or not in prime yeah. letter. So anyway, um, but he recounts the story of this kid who in the game of uh, predicting odds and evens always gets it right. And, uh, it seems if you're reading Poe's story, it almost, it seems like almost like a nonsense aside, like what I just did, um, to like to include in this story. Right. But, but right. what like, so, but Lacan elevates it and he says, he says not only like, not only is the thing that he's describing possible, but it's like, it's, it's, um, it's central to what happens in the, uh, the Pearline letter that like, like how, um, a, a basically like how a series can form and how rules can emerge because of it and how that can uh, like dictate how like, you know, like actions that, that can occur. And so what, um, and again, like Bruce Fink's, uh, description of this in, uh, in Lacanian subject is, is excellent. It's the only way that I understand it. Like to, to be totally honest, it's hard for me to, to get it. But like what Lacan is saying is that like when a series forms, there are uh, rules that emerge in the formation of that series that do not pre-exist it. And that's like a, I just think it's a, it's an unbelievable uh, insight and you can see it quite clearly in television. Like, so like a show like, like 24 is like a good negative example, which is that like, if you've made this decision that every episode of this show is going to be an hour in one person's uh, life. Okay. In one day. And that, so, okay. So if you have, so you, you do like multiple seasons, like the stakes have to keep ratcheting up because each episode has to mean something because it can't just be like an hour and like, you can't just have an hour in the show where like nothing happens because that's not exciting for television. So every single 
episode, like just the stakes keep getting ratcheted Has to up the ante. Yeah. Every single time. Yeah. And so then yeah. you just get this ridiculous thing where like the, the CTU gets attacked multiple times by like nerve gas yeah. and people die. And then like, so you get into like, I don't know if it's season five or season four, but then what do you have? What can you do in like the fourth episode, because you've already attacked, you've already <laughs> imperiled all your characters multiple right. times. You right. created these rules for yourself and like as showrunners, well, maybe you have to drop a nuke on all of Los Angeles. And then, or, like, or, or, and yeah. then, and then later in a later season, you got to fire a missile at the president <laughs> in Wembley stadium. Right. I mean, right. it's like, like, yeah, like, yeah. and and then it just, it devolves in, it becomes literally incredible. Like it, because you've had to like, cause you've set this, so you've set this up for yourself. And, yeah. uh, and this is, I think, I mean, I think this is what Lacan's getting at. I think this is like, it's useful for like thinking about like serial storytelling is that the, um, the act of serializing something, or I should say like writing something in a serial manner, it starts to create rules for you that you need right. to abide by that didn't exist before you put anything down to paper the first time. And right. so, that, yeah. so, so what you would say is that the conditions of possibility that seriality creates are simultaneously conditions of impossibility. That is exactly what I would well. say. That is exactly. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And that, and it occurs at, at the same moment. Like and, and yeah. I think this is what this is uh, what Lacan is is, uh, is talking about in his in his theory of the the series, um, in which he opposes to to Sartre's, but that's um, that's that's a whole other that's can a of whole words, that's a right? whole other thing. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, 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 um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's fascinating. And there's so many look. There's so many examples. I just give one more that I talk about yeah, in, yeah. in the essay. Is that um, in uh, George R. R. Martin's A Song of Ice and Fire series that like he. Um, just you know, briefly, like they're they're at the end of um, what became like book five, or what is supposed to be the beginning of book uh, six. Like all of these characters from all corners of his vast world had to be at the same place at the same time, and he created rules along the way that were incidental of basically what space and time mean. Like how long it takes to get from here to here is something that uh, you know he has to be consistent with for yeah. his story to mean anything, and so. He, he had to get all these characters to a place, fictional place called Marine. And he ended up calling, he called this the Marinese knot where he just like could not untangle like how he's going to get everyone there. And it took him years and delayed the publication of um, the, the, his book. And then on the show on game of Thrones, the showrunners have the same, they run into the same problem, but you know what they do? They just like cut like two times. Right. It, yeah. Like right. two times and everyone's in the same place. And people like at the end of uh, not this past season, but the one before were like, wait, so how did that just happen? Like there were no problems with getting everybody together. And they were like, no, we're, it's implying that there was like a passage of time. It's like a month. <laughs> it doesn't happen immediately. But then the problem is in the most recent season, space and time mean nothing anymore. That like if they want characters to go from like one part of the world to the other where they had already claimed it takes like two episodes to do it just happens in minutes and right like, well that doesn't yeah. that brings it back to 24 because that to me the, the great irrealism of 24 is about space and time right mm. that you could you could cross los angeles in five minutes you know, you <laughs> yeah, could, right you right know, yeah no traffic never no, traffic. no never yeah. traffic yeah but right. so i think that's an interesting point about the way in which seriality pushes us against our, our standard conceptions of space and time, right? Mm, mm -hmm. Like, it, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and even like, I know because it has its own rules that it has to follow. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I, and it's different. I, I would, I would maintain that it's different from like what, like Paul record says about like narrative time, like uh, right. being, being different from like everyday time. I mean, it, it absolutely yeah. is. But I, I think that, um, when we're talking about um, serial time, it is something that can be like charted and documented and you can like hold it up and be like, hey, wait a minute. Like, you know, you and this is I think this is part of like um, how as a viewer, you eventually have to like uh, an analyze and you eventually have to realize that there is no big other because, you you know, you can do it's like, excuse me, uh, in episode like, uh, <laughs> you know, S2E4, you said it took 10 minutes to get from, you know, here to here in Los Angeles. Right. But in episode, S, you know, it takes 17. You know, there's a there's a Simpsons joke like this, too, where it's like, right. oh, I really I really hope somebody got fired over that blunder or right. whatever, you know. <laughs> And it's just like, no, it's just, they're making it up, you know? Yeah, like, 
Like, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. to enjoy, so yeah. you have to know that and to enjoy, like you have to disavow it, you yeah. know? It, and, right. and, 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 and so that's how, so that's like, that would be, I think like, that's like the mature, I think, or maybe, maybe I'm like trying to pat myself on the back, but that's like, like to, to watch TV after knowing that there is no big other, you just, you just have to disavow it as you're watching yeah, you it. Have to, yeah. 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 I know very well, right. but even still. But even still. Yeah. That's a good ending point. That's a good ending. Yeah. All right, Ryan. Thanks for that. Yeah, thanks for that. And uh, Okay. Todd, over and out. Over and out. All right. <laughs>